Have you ever watched an apocalyptic sci-fi movie and wondered, could any of this really happen? I'm Carrie Bechet, and on Hypothetical, we explore what-if questions two ways, through speculative science fiction and through insight from the world's most brilliant scientists. And spoiler alert, your favorite sci-fi movies aren't nearly as far-fetched as you may think. Time travel with me into our possible futures on Hypothetical. New episodes every Tuesday available on all podcast apps. That's Hypothetical, H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. Hi guys, welcome back to Awkward Sex in the City. Uh, a week has gone by. We've made it another week. We're going to get through this day by day. Um, I was telling Aaron, I noticed that for me at least, the days actually go by very, very quickly. And then Aaron was like, yeah, there's just so many days. Um, but we're just going to do it step by step, day by day. Maybe go watch step by step. Um in this episode, it's just me again. Um, <laughs> again, I go on some like dark tangents, um, so I apologize. But you know, here we are. It's like a it's like an oral um, diary for me, a diarrhea of words for me. Um, I do talk about poop and diarrhea a little bit because it's me, and I talk about MRSA. We do have a story in here, and it's about me being gross. So <laughs> nothing new. Um, I hope you guys enjoy. If you have things you want to tell me, if you just want to talk to me, if you want to give me some stories to talk about online and online on the podcast, email me at awkwardsexandthecity at gmail.com. DM me on Twitter at awkwardsexcity or on Instagram at awkwardsexandthecity. Um, I really want to hear from you guys. I really, really do. Uh, but again, I understand if you don't want to. It's totally fine. Oh, hey. It is me again. Um, welcome to Awkward Sex and the City. Um, solo style, sans uh, guest. We are going to have guests soon, though. I'm talking to people. I just have to figure out how to do remote. How are you guys doing? Which I will later say in this episode that no one should be allowed to ask, how are you doing anymore? Erin um, had a very good point. Anytime we, we Zoom or text people, that's the first thing we all say. And it should be like a blanket, like, mm, not okay. Um, there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of grief. Uh, there's a lot of what ifs. There's a lot of anxiety for everyone right now. It, like I said in the last episode, it's, you know, um, I think I recorded Tuesday last week. Uh, so this is now Monday. So six days have gone by. Um, we get calls from our families like every day I'm getting emails and like Facebook messages and instas from like high school friends. I haven't talked to in years. Cause like, that's what happens like with time. And when you move and stuff like that, people are worried. And I, I appreciate that. But at the same time, it kind of does give you like a little bit more anxiety in some, some odd ways. Like it's comforting, but then also like, Oh shit, they're like, people are like, are afraid for you. Um, I don't know what state you live in. Uh, if you're in New York City, I hope you're doing okay. Um, and I hope you're finding ways to cope. Coping mechanisms are amazing. I hope you're feeling okay. Uh, that's all I can really say. Um, for those of you that don't live in New York City or don't live in New York State, uh, take this seriously. Um, I will 100% admit that I was one of the people that were just like, everyone's freaking out for no reason. It's just a really bad flu. I take it back. I take it all back. 
Um, because you know, it's, it's starting to hit that point where like, you know, people that I follow on Instagram, like have it are like currently going through it. And even the mild cases do not sound fucking fun. So please wash your hands. Please take social distancing very seriously. Um, though I also saw a Facebook post that was like social distancing kind of doesn't make sense. Like think of it just like literally staying physically distant from each other. Like try to not leave your house or your yard as often as possible. Like that's how we're doing our part. I, um, still have not left my apartment. So I think this is day 10 or day 11. Uh, because like I said, I stopped working at Trader Joe's last, last Thursday. And I just want to make sure the incubation period is 14 days. I don't want to give this to anyone else. Aaron is freaked out. He's afraid it's my OCD kicking in. Um, I don't think it is, but I told him I would talk to my therapist about it. And I have therapy today. Um, for anyone that has OCD, uh, I hope you're coping well. Just remember you've gotten through this before. And for those of you that don't have OCD, um, it comes like for me, it comes in waves. I had it really bad in um, high school, like really, really bad. Um, to the point I haven't really told this many people, that many people about this. Cause I was embarrassed for a long time cause I didn't fully understand what it was. And it wasn't until obviously starting therapy. I think, I think I started therapy in 2000, I think I started in 2016, 2016 or 2017. I started therapy and I nonchalantly brought it up. And I was like, well, mental illness runs in my family um, for other things. So that's just what it is. And my therapist was like, no, no, that's not how OCD works. Something happened to you. And we would later pinpoint what happened that caused this uh, for me. And um, so basically what kind of happens in your mind is that you think, you think every decision you make uh, or if you don't honor certain instincts of like, oh, I need to touch this lock five times, like people have numbers, um, then something grave, there will be grave consequences. At least like that's what mine is like. I haven't had a flare up in a long time. I do sometimes wonder, because I've been washing my hands a lot, a lot. I do, I keep in check with myself, like how am I thinking as I do this? Um like, why am I washing my hands right now? Like, that's a very important, like if you have, if you do struggle with OCD and again, I'm not a health expert. This is just kind of what's worked for me. Um, like when it was at my worst in high school, uh, I would, I always had to check my lock and it was almost always numbers like in, in intervals of three, because, uh, three is like kind of a holy number in Catholicism. I think at least that's what I told myself. Um, so it would start out as like, I have to check my bedroom lock three times or then it turned to six and then I wouldn't like six because then like six, six, six is the devil. So then it would turn to nine and then it would turn to 18 and then like it just kept going and going and going. And then when it got really, really bad, it was like I had to, I had to say, I think it was like five at its worst. It was five Hail Marys and I think five Our Fathers for each person in my immediate family. <laughs> Um, so I would spend like hours at night. It would take like two hours a night. And like the Cosby show was on in the background because I loved the Cosby show before all this shit happened. Um, I miss that show so much, but we'll never watch it again for obvious reasons. Um, it was bad. It was very bad. I don't remember how I got myself out of it in high school. I think it literally was like, you just have to go one day without doing this and see what happens. And you know what, if someone if something terrible happens to like a loved one, then like, uh, 
then we'll start in the praying again. I think also just being um, not Catholic anymore helped to like getting away from Catholicism. For me, I don't really know why, but religion was very, very intertwined with my OCD. Um, and like now I'm not religious. And in high school, I went through phases where I was very religious. And then when I wasn't, uh, and I don't know why. Like, I don't remember when I always joke that like Catholicism lost me when I was 11. Cause that's when they told me like animals don't have souls, which is bullshit, but it's not true. I definitely still like stayed in it for a lot longer than I wanted to, but nothing like talking about your OCD and Catholicism to just really just, you know, get the juices going with sex guys. I wrote some notes. Um, <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Uh, thank you for bearing with me. You guys are the best. I did not get any emails. Um, and I get it. There's like a lot of shit happening right now. I can barely, I supposed to be working on an article right now that was assigned to me before shit hit the fan and I'm barely able to work on it. But my editor knew that like I worked at Trader Joe's so they were like, mm, you take your goddamn time. I wrote a few notes about like what's helped me cope through some of this. Um, and it's going to be different for everyone else. And I just want to say that especially the creatives out there right now, or especially people that have just lost their jobs, like you have to remember that your outlet, your source of income or your outlet, your creative outlet has now just been like kind of just taken away from you very abruptly. And so it makes a lot of sense that like, if you don't feel productive right now, um, that's okay. Literally do as much as you can. And if that is baking bread, which is all over my Insta and secretly drives me crazy, <laughs> I don't know why, because it's kind of like the blandest thing to make. I think that's why it bugs me. Um, but that if that's what works for you, do it. And also, I am a fucking hypocrite because last night I had a craving for pancakes. And so this morning I went through like our like our um, our, sh our shelves where we keep our food. And I realized that we had like almond meal and we had um, we had rice flour. So I made rice flour pancakes and they were they were fine. They weren't disgusting. I almost said they were disgusting. They, I still ate them, but they weren't like the pancakes that I craved. So I'm a hypocrite. If you want to bake bread, do it. If you want to Instagram, you baking your bread, do it. Uh, we all have fucking opinions right now for no fucking reason. Uh, so don't listen to anything I say except wash your hands and take this seriously. Um, what have I been doing? Uh, things that are helping me. I'm literally just reading my notes. Reality TV has helped me a lot, but like I feel like it's been very specific. Like it's like reality TV that kind of brings me back to, that has like a nostalgia sense to it. So like Laguna Beach, the hills, I think I talked about this in the last episode. Um, if you have a Roku, uh, you can download the MTV app and get it from there. I think you have to have cable. Uh, I think now that I'm thinking that saying it out loud, I do think you have to have cable for it. Uh, if you do, it's been great. I remember I used to watch The Hills on YouTube and Laguna Beach on YouTube. And so th those are probably still out there. But it brings me back to when I was like 14 and just remember being like, these these kids are so sophisticated with their red solo cups and their drama. And it was the type of drama that I wanted to have in high school because as I've talked about uh, on this podcast, I was a late bloomer in every sense. And I just didn't have that type of drama, which I think is why 
I also currently really love reading um, YA romance, specifically the To All the Boys I Love Before trilogy, except I don't have the first book. I have the second and the third, which in my logic made sense. I was like, I've seen the movie. So I've seen the first, I've read the first book. So I got the other two. Um, the second movie is not as good as the second book, guys. Also, the books are like, the books are in first person. It's not like the best writing ever, though I do love them. Um, I I just hate like shitting on someone's work. Like someone created this and it's brings me a lot of joy. So why am I going to nitpick it? I also have read, um, I just finished re- reading Crazy Rich Asians because I really like the movie. And uh, right before I had stopped working, uh, where my where my Trader Joe's is, there's a Target above. So I was like, oh, because all the bookstores had closed at that point. And we were like, let's get some books before things go down. And so I ran up and got stuff for me and Aaron. And they had the trilogy. It's a trilogy. I didn't realize that. But I was like, let me just buy the first book because I'm not sure if I'm going to like it or not. And I loved it. I love the first book. And now I'm like, fuck, like, I want the other two. Um it's very just, it's calming and soothing. It's like sweetly romantic and there's a lot of like food porn in it. And just, there's just the right amount of drama. It's not overwhelming. It's not infinite jest. Uh, thank fucking God. I have a lot of thoughts on David Foster Wallace. Um, and now what I'm currently reading is Ella Enchanted. I talked about it in my episode with Rebecca. Um, I can remember... I can remember the day in fourth grade in Miss Hanscom's class, uh, which I did not do well in that class. I was bullied a lot in that class in fourth grade uh, because my face would always turn red. My face still turns red all the time when I'm embarrassed, but it would turn really red when I did uh, public speaking of any sort. But now I'm a comedian again on stage all the time. It does. It makes no sense. I don't don't know when it switched, but all of a sudden I just loved being the center of attention. But it's when we you would still get those scholastic like little zines, and it had all the books, and you could like you know buy them if you wanted to. And I had an allowance, and I, I like I bought that book myself in fourth grade. And I just remember being like, you know, I don't know if this book will be good, but there's something about the cover, and. I just, to this day, still have it and it brings me so much joy and so much comfort. So if you want to get it, not from Amazon, please do. Um, what else has been working for me? I I wrote down sometimes coloring. Sometimes coloring helps. I started making like a, like a magazine. Cause that's something I'd always do with the kids that I babysat for would be like, let's it was always a go-to, like, let's color, let's do this. But usually kids get, um, at least the kids that I babysat for would get, um, stuck cause they were like, I don't know where to go with this. So getting to show them how to use their imagination in storytelling and, and coloring was really fun and was really relaxing for them. So I thought it might be relaxing for me. So, tar- so far it has been, I haven't done as much as I did last week. I think reading's kind of taken over. Um... I wrote, I still haven't really worked on any awkward sex stories, but I'm getting to a better place to where I feel like I can start writing. Uh, and I want to share with you guys, like I, I think in, in times like this, the more vulnerable you can be with people, like the better. Uh, I think everyone right now sometimes feel like they have to, you know, put up this front and feel as if they're strong or showing that they're strong for their loved ones, especially if they're in the New York City, like epicenter. Um, which I think is 
I think it's something that I've been doing to a certain extent, but at the same point time, I want to make sure I'm being like honest with myself and with you guys. Like today I'm not feeling as anxious, but I didn't sleep well because I couldn't get off the internet. So it comes in waves. Um, some days I feel anxious. Some days I don't. Um, I, I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot. Sometimes there are moments where I'm just like, yeah, this makes sense. Uh, I saw a meme that I'm going to butcher the other day that was about like millennials. And it was like, cool, cool, cool. Millennials in their teen years. Here is a um, national terrorist attack that will define your teen years, which was 9-11. And then it was like, oh, hey, are you about to just start your life as an adult? Here's a um, national recession. And now it's like, oh, hey, 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 are you about to have kids? Uh, here's a global pandemic. And I was trying to explain to Aaron before I saw this meme, how like in so many, in a very odd way for me, this was like, yeah, of course this would happen to us. Like, of course, like a lot of people that I know were kind of saying the same thing of just like, they finally felt like they had their life kind of put back together, like myself included. And, uh, felt like a lot of growth had happened in a lot of, a lot of good ways. And then this was dropped on our laps. So, um, I kind of remember where I was going with that, but just, it goes back to do what you can do for yourself right now and for the people around you. I did, um, I did write some questions that I had for you guys that if you want to answer, don't, if you, oh, sorry, if you want to answer, do, if you don't want to answer, don't, if you want to email me, totally fucking cool. I would love it. I would love to hear from you guys. Uh, but I wrote like, are you guys masturbating right now? Or are you afraid to? Like, there was a moment that I was like, will it be in my bodily fluids? Like if I have it, will I transfer it to Aaron? Will it literally be in my badge juice? Uh, I don't know. I don't think it is. I think you can totally have sex. I think you can masturbate. Clean your toys, obviously. Coming from the lady that never cleaned anything she stuck up her um, vag for like a good five years, which I just, there are so many times where I think about, I think back to like how gross I was that I'm just like, how, what, how are you here today? Like, I am not sure if I talked about this in the podcast last week, I could just listen to the fucking podcast, but like, so I've, I've gotten MRSA twice. When I was 19, there was like a MRSA outbreak in colleges. Cause it's also kind of like, it's, it's contagious. Um, but it's like contagious in the sense that like, you have to get it. You have to touch something that had MRSA and then you need to touch like an open, not like an open orifice. Like it's not like going to go like in like your eye or your mouth, but like if you have a cut and you like touch the cut with MRSA, then it could get that cat could get infected, which is like literally, literally what happened to me twice. I got MRSA twice, guys. This is so gross. Okay, I'm gonna, oh God. I can't believe I'm gonna tell you guys this. I'm not even sure if I've talked about this on the podcast. If I have Caitlin, maybe we cut it out. Um, so I oh, I don't think I have talked about it on the podcast. I have made it into a story I tell on stage. I think that's why I'm getting confused. Um because me and Nita Flores had a show called Gross Girls that once this shit happens, gets, is done, we'll probably bring back. Because um, the story is gross. But basically, I think I was, yeah, I was 19. Maybe I was 20. 
No, I was 19 because I was still living with Caitlin. Um, I had friends that lived in a different apartment complex than where I lived in in Virginia when I was at JMU. And one day, so like I, they had a party. I crashed on their on their couch and I woke up before everyone else did. I didn't have anything really to do. So I went into their bathroom and I noticed like a, um, uh, what I thought was an ingrown hair in like my vag bush, because at that point I was shaving and I say at that point, but I'm shaving my vag bush now to an extent. I'm, I kind of half-ass it, but I always shave against the grain, which gives you a lot of, um, ingrown hairs and like uh, vag zits, but I secretly love the vag zits cause then they're fun to pop. But, um, I saw one and then I was like trying to get it out with my hands and it wasn't working right. Which is kind of why I love ingrown hairs a little bit more than vag zits because it has like more of like a hero's journey to it. There's more of a struggle. There's more of a call to action. <laughs> and so I went through my friend's medicine cabinet and found tweezers and I don't know who they were, like whose they were. Um, I did not wash them. And then I then tried, after not washing these tweezers, I then tried to get my ingrown hair out with these tweezers, but like to no avail, right? Like I couldn't get it. And I literally just kind of gave myself like a second vagina opening, vulva opening, like, like this huge ass hole. And then I just... I rinsed them off. I didn't even use soap and water and I put them back into the medicine cabinet and like went on with my life, right? Someone had woken up. I think we ordered pizza, chinelos, which I probably ate too much of and pretended like I didn't have that much of because I, my mouth is like a black hole of a gullet. And I think maybe a day goes by and all of a sudden there is an awful, awful pain in the hole that I had. It's not a hole anymore. It's like glossed over with like plasma or whatever it is, but it does, it looks angry. It's so, so mad and it hurts. The amount of pain, I don't even know how to explain it. Cause like I couldn't even, I sleep in my stomach. I couldn't even sleep on my stomach because any pressure put on this like wound was just unbelievably painful. Like I just couldn't do it. And so this went on for a couple of days and I was like, this can't be okay. Something's wrong. I don't know what's going on. And then I worked, I had like a day job, uh, at like this journal at my school and <laughs> the editor in chief there really hated me. I would always get in trouble for, um, dress code violations. But anytime I actually got in trouble, it was because like there were eight computers in a like like a, an eight by eight room. So there was eight computers and like usually like at least four or five of us on the computers. So it was really fucking hot. So I would take off my blazer and I'd be wearing like a tube top underneath the blazer. And she'd be like, you can't do this. And I was like, okay, who the fuck is seeing me? Like, I'm not about to fucking pass out. But she was also like very aware of like how long we went to the bathroom or if we took a phone call outside. Um, Cause of course we were getting paid hourly. I think I was getting paid 725 an hour for doing like really intense, like, journalism. Um, cause I have a degree in journalism, which too much to this day blows my mind. Um, but I went to the bathroom, like it, like the pain, like really hurt. I went to the bathroom and I looked down and saw that it was, uh, it was a white head at that point. 
And so I was like, oh, is this just like a really, really bad zit? And so I go to pop it, but to try to pop it, like to put that much pressure on this like wounded area was like, again, like brought me to tears. But finally I popped it and all this pus, like, <laughs> sorry, this is really gross. All this pus just like oozed out and it took like a good 20 minutes to like get it all out. But I was like, you know, once I got all out, like the pain went away and I was like, okay, cool. So basically like the infection came to a head and I was able to get it out. And then I washed my hands and I was like, all right, you know, I'm good. I'm done. I'm, I won, you know, uh, turns out I had won the battle, but like not the fucking war because I must have had a, um, a scratch or like I'd pick something on my thigh and I must not have washed my hands well enough, which is why we should all be washing our hands for 20 seconds. And in the next couple of days, the same thing happened where all of a sudden on my thigh, there was just this awful, awful pain. It was like, it was like burning but also stabbing. And I remember my leg would start to feel heavier and heavier with each day. And it was Thanksgiving. It was about to be Thanksgiving break. And in that year, we didn't get the full week off. We only got like Monday and Tuesday off. And I was just like, just get through, just like get through to Tuesday for when you're going to leave, you'll be fine. And you'll show your parents and they'll have all the answers because they're adults and you're not an adult at 19. And it kept getting like, the infection kept getting bigger and bigger on my leg to once I got home, it was about an inch away from my hip bone. And I would say about two inches away from my kneecap. Um, but it was, it's just like my whole upper thigh was engulfed in this like red rash. And so I showed my parents and well, I called them like an hour before an hour out as I was driving home. And I was just like, Hey, like just FYI, there's something I have to show you. And they're like, what the fuck? So I get home and they like immediately make me like deep pants and they're looking at it. And my dad's just like, Mm, I think it's an ingrown hair. And I was like, this is an ingrown hair like this. I know it's not, I know the difference. And my mom calls uh, our hospital and they like laugh at her because like the next day is like the day before Thanksgiving or whatever. And they're like, no one's going to see you. <laughs> and then my mom was like, I think it might be a staph infection. And they were like, mm, whatever. And then they called her back. I think like that's how I remember it. But I remember them being like, oh, wait, did you say staph infection? Like we can see her tomorrow. And so my mom kind of took like a, a marker or pen and she marked like the air, like the outline to see if the outline was going to grow. And it had a little bit and still the same type of pain. And we go to the doctor. I wear shorts and my mom is pissed off that I'm wearing shorts, but it just, cause it's like, think, like where we lived, it was cold, but also like she just, she doesn't like when people like wear PJs or stuff like that outside. Like she, she thinks it looks bad. And, um, so she was mad at me about that. I'm just like, whatever, like it hurts too much to put on fucking jeans. Like this is what I'm wearing. Cause I am a fucking adult technically. And I like to pick and choose when I'm an adult and the doctor comes in and I actually really liked him. I love it. Like I love a, a no 
a no shit doctor. Like he's going to tell you exactly how it is, or she's going to tell you exactly how it is. Like that's how my neurologist is right now. She's like, this is what's happening. This is what you're going to do. Deal with it. Like no, no pussyfooting around what's happening. And so he walks in and he's like, that's MRSA. You have 24 hours to live if the antibiotics work. And so I just remember being like, oh, okay. Uh, was the option of they don't work? And the option was uh, they would amputate my leg. Because I, again, I'm not a scientist, but something with MRSA is like once it hits your bone, there's nothing the doctors can do except amputate. And so again, we are like an inch away from my hip bone. And I think at this point, an inch away from my knee. And he like, I kind of zone out at this point because I'm just like, what will life be like without a leg, you know? And my mom is like, mm, okay. And so they don't put me on penicillin. They put me on something else. He had like talked about why penicillin wasn't working. He gives me something else. These are like fucking like horse tranquilizers. I mean, they weren't, but I remember being like loopy as fuck. I had to take them three times a day. So I'd have to wake up at like two o'clock in the morning, like every morning to take these. And at this point I couldn't swallow pills. I now can. So I had to like open them up and put them on like peanut butter on bread and just like, so it would take me like an hour just to get it into my system. It was awful. I fucking hated it. But the doctor is like, one thing that you need to do right now, like to, to stop like an amputation is you need to get the infection away from your leg, like away from your hip and your knee. And so we had to, for a full day, put a scolding hot washcloth on like the opening to see if it could bring the infection to the head like it had done on like on my second vag. And long story short, yes, we get there. We get to the point where it comes to head. I think I I was able to eat like two Oreo McFlurries because my parents felt bad for me because they were like afraid that I was dying. And finally it comes to head and my mom was like, all right, go, go try. But this one was like so much worse than the vag, uh, vag MRSA. I don't know why, probably because it like went on longer and it was like a more intense infection, but it took like, again, like 20 minutes to try to pop it, like to get enough pressure to pop it. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, it hurt so much. I was like crying as I tried. And so finally I literally punched my leg from like two different angles at the same time. And it was like with enough force and enough pressure that truly, I shit you not, pus shot up in the air like a fucking volcano. <laughs> and it was so much. This one took like an hour and it was so much pus. And it like it finally turned like pus and blood and then just blood. And like once I showed my mom, she was like, it looks like you have like a third nipple. And truly what it looks like is like if you ever, if we ever meet and I'm out of in a bathing suit for some reason, there is a small part of my thigh that you can like, that like is indented. Like it doesn't, you can't tell if you're like looking straight on, you have to look at it from the side, but it's like literally where like the MRSA ate my skin. Um, and so sometimes I'm always like so surprised of like how for so long I would just like ignore like life, life threatening symptoms. Like, cause even with like UTIs, I had a UTI that got so bad it turned into a kidney infection and my kidneys were like kind of shutting down. And by kind of, the doctor was like, your kidneys are shutting down. And 
again, I was, this was a little bit later in life. I think I was 24 and, um, it was from, yes, it was from a dirty penis. And that is truly what the doctor said. He was like, your kidneys are shutting down because of a a dirty penis, which wash penises to people before you put them into orifices. Uh, it's important that you have a healthy, clean penis. But again, like what I was trying to say was like, I'm so shocked sometimes by like how, um, like where, where, where is the switch in my life? When did I finally start taking things seriously and then probably taking things too seriously? Like I wash, I probably wash my hands like 20 times a day and I'm not leaving the apartment because now I'm just like, no, 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 I've done this before. Not once, not twice, but like three fucking times. Like we're not, we're not fucking with these symptoms anymore. Do you guys have any stories like that? Do you guys have any weird, gross stories where you're just like super, super gross and like it kind of almost killed you? And like, I remember when I had MRSA, like I remember like talking to myself in the mirror being like, just let me live and I'll never pick my zits again because I pick all of my zits. And for the past week, I actually hadn't picked any of my face zits and then finally it got to me and I picked a few. But then of course, like after a month, like I started picking my zits again when I had MRSA because it's just... I, I don't know. I, it's probably, someone told me it's a form of um, self-mutilation, which is like, oh God, but I have a really bad habit of picking all my zits wherever they are. Do I have them on my, on my boobs? I'm picking them. Do I have them on my face? I'm picking them. Are they on my legs? I'm picking them. It's probably how I got the MRSA on my leg. Like I just love it. It's very calming and soothing. And so it actually has kind of been hard to not pick at my face. It's, it's usually my blackheads. Like my, my nose has like a lot of big pores from, from picking, um, picking those zits and around like my, a part of my cheeks, like the pores are pretty big just from picking at them a lot. Since I was like, since uh, as soon as I got as it, it started whenever that was probably like 11 and I miss it though. I totally did it today, which I've just been telling myself, like, stop it. Like it's not a healthy coping mechanism, but sometimes like, that's just what you have to do. You got to wash, you got to wash your hands because, okay, here's another embarrassing thing. And I would love to hear your thoughts on, do you wash your butt? And like, how this fucking dog, I hope you guys can't hear it. Whatever. Who cares? It's, it's a life. Let it live. I, so I have babysat kids that like have been taught to fully put their hands and fingers completely like up their butthole to check it. I was never taught that. I was like, that's weird. And then I remember talking to other people and they're like, no, that's what people do. I don't wash my butthole. I don't. I, I, I will at the very most lather my butt cheeks with, with my loofah. And I kind of like bend over so I can get like more of the water like in the crack, but I don't full on like get up in there, but I'm learning now like a lot of people do. And so now I'm like, have I been doing it wrong? Like, is my butt like not safe for other people? Like, is my butt not safe for consumption? And like Aaron was like, you need to wash your butt more. Um, Not that like it smells or anything, but I don't think it does. Now I'm like, does my butt smell? But he was like, no, no, you just like need to get like up in there. Um, which I get to me totally makes sense. Like if that's like your main source for sex, does that make sense? Like if that's like the hole that you want to use the most, I think that totally makes sense to really clean it a lot, but like that's not our main hole. 
I'm trying to be like as PC as possible, if that makes sense. Like I don't want to like offend anyone um, because any hole is fine, obviously, just as long as it's a clean hole. So you don't get a UTI or some shit from a clean, a dirty penis or a dirty toy or a dirty whatever. Oh, this is a fun transition from dirty buttholes. I wrote down, um, if you have kids, I feel very sorry for you in this forced quarantine, not forced quarantine, in this uh, shelter in place quarantine situation. Uh, I've been a nanny for eight years, almost nine years, and I have babysat since I was 13. And it's hard. And I've been a live-in nanny. And kids 24-7, guys, is so fucking hard. Like, it's, I've always said it's the best birth control in the world. Like, if someone wants to have sex, I think both parties have to individually babysit for a month straight. And just to see how hard kids are, just to be like, if you are going to have sex, you have to use a condom. You have to see what the possible outcome is. And that is a baby um, for some for some couples, not all couples. And But I also have been thinking about all like the really shitty kids I've had to babysit in the past. Like there's not a lot of people I hate in life, but there are kids that I hate. There are kids that I have babysat that I fucking hate. To this day, they still make me angry. And like some of these kids I haven't seen in like five, six years, but I hate them. I hate them. And I hated a lot of their parents too, because a lot of it, like this is mostly in New York, but a lot of their, their shitty attributes came from shitty parenting. And I can say this for having a lot of experience with shitty parents. Like there's a very huge difference between like a parent trying their best and then a parent not trying their best. Um, again, all the opinions today, I have all the opinions, but that was like a nice little lining of just like, Oh, you have to deal with your really shitty kid that you wouldn't trust me about. Um, good. I'm so glad you're stuck in your two bed apartment with those fucking kids. Now you can fucking see it though. They're probably like actually good kids now. And it was like a phase. It wasn't a phase. There's one, there's one kid in particular that I'm thinking about that. I'm just like, I hate you. I hate you so fucking much. And they're probably 12. Oh no, they're probably 13 now. Oh shit. The kid probably sucks now. Um, that's all I have in my notes is literally shitty offspring, silver lining. What a fun episode of just weird shit about me. Um, I had the question of how are your bodies feeling through all of this? Like sometimes I get a nervous stomach and then I one time had diarrhea earlier this week and I'm actually pretty sure it was like expired sour cream, but that's also a symptom is like diarrhea for COVID-19. So then of course I was like, all of a sudden I had heart palpitations and I was freaking out. And then Aaron had to be like, but it's you, like it's your stomach. And if you know me, and I think I talk about this a lot on the podcast too, like I have, I poop a lot. Um, and then sometimes I get diarrhea a lot because I just, I put anything in my mouth. And, but yesterday I had a nervous stomach, which is different. Like it wasn't diarrhea, but it was like, <laughs> this is a very gross episode. It was like loose poo, but it wasn't like cramping and it wasn't like, oh, I have to go right now. It was very controlled, but that still freaked me out a little bit too. 
At one point last week, I was taking my temperature like three times a day, but I haven't taken my temperature in like two days because I've had to stop and be like, do you have a fever now or are you just freaking out for no reason? I think that's a big part of the problem too for a lot of people is like a lot of this is like psychosomatic where you're just like, but I'm in the epicenter. Like, what if I do blah, blah, blah. And of course, anxiety has very similar um, uh, symptoms where it's like a tightness in your chest and uh, you're short of breath. Uh, So I do recommend any type of like meditation or meditation app that you have. I use Calm and the thing that sucks about Calm is it does cost $75, but I bought it like a month ago and I truly... I love it so fucking much. I love it so fucking much because they even have these things for like just to go to sleep. Like there's like these deep sleep body scans and I do it for 15 minutes and I'm usually out by like five minutes in. And then if I wake up in the middle of the night, I just do it over and I'm right back in. It really, really just helps you kind of just like relax and like soothe yourself. Um, so I do really, really recommend that, especially cause like maybe you've never dealt with anxiety before. And if you're just like very new to it, like it sucks. Like I'm actually pretty new to it myself. Um, like actually like feeling what anxiety in your body feels like. I kind of never understood it. Uh, and then I experienced it and was like, Ooh, this blows this. I can totally see why this is like all encompassing for some people sometimes. Um, again, I hope you guys are doing okay, doing okay. Again, I love you guys and I would really love to hear from you via email, stories, awkward sex stories, weird MRSA stories, anything where you're just like, I'm being gross. Um, Again, no pressure. There's a lot going on. If I get an email from you, that's really cool. If not, the podcast will go on. I have definitely enough material that once I start talking, I can definitely get there. Um, I was going to say, I hope like, you know, April 30th comes and we've we are past our peak. They think in New York, we won't see our peak until the middle of April, which makes sense uh, since we've only been social distancing for about, I think this is turning into week three for some people. This is week two for me. Yeah. Just keep social distancing, stay physically away from people. It really helps. Um, and again, like, I hope you are taking care of yourself in the way that you can, in any way that you can. I hope you have the resources that you need. I hope you have the people around you that you need to help you get through this. I am always here. Again, feel free to email me at Awkward Sex and City just to vent. Uh, I will not post that on on air on the podcast. That's That can be just you and me. Um, okay. Let me think of something to end on that's good. Hmm. I thought I would be very against Zoom chats just because I am such an introvert, but I have a friend that started doing trivia. That's really fun. She didn't do that on Zoom, but she did it like on Facebook Live and she might be doing it. Uh, Hope, she was one of the um, guests a couple weeks ago. Hope does usually does trivia at bars and so she's doing it like this um, online and that's really cool. So if you want to like Facebook Hope... Hope Marava, I just fucked up your name, Hope, or Instagrammer, so you can get on it. Um, I think she's asking for tips, but otherwise it's free. Um, And then we also, a big group of us did karaoke and I hate singing and I sang on Zoom karaoke, guys. So there's growth, there's growth. Uh, Lean into Zoom, lean into FaceTiming your friends and your family. Um, I usually hate it, but it's been nice. 
Okay, email me. I love you guys. We're at the end of this podcast. You stayed with me the whole time. I'm truly, truly honored and blessed. Too blessed to be stressed. Uh, That's not true at all. But I think that's a John Mulaney joke. And you should listen to John Mulaney uh, and all his specials. Uh, Comeback Kid is one of the best specials I've ever seen in my life. Uh, That's on Netflix if you have it. You should listen or watch it. It's amazing. Um, Again, email me at awkwardsexandcity at gmail.com. I love you guys. I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're washing your hands. I hope you're staying in your house or apartment and you have all the resources and you feel safe. If not, please email me again. Like, please email me. I'll be here in any way that I can be there for you. All right, guys. And we'll see you next week.